You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast, and today we have Nasima McElroy with us. She is the owner of Financially Intentional, which is a platform that coaches people to be financially independent, as well as she is the uh, owner of Nurses on Fire Podcast. Nasima, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Um, So tell me about this financially intentional platform that you have and what you do for people. So financially intentional was born out of me just sharing my story of paying off a massive amount of debt in a short period of time. So um, in 2015, uh, my daughter was turning one and it got to a point where I just knew that I was making too much money to be broke. And I wanted to, (laughs) I wanted to have something for my daughter. And so I started to um, invest a lot of time in learning about how to control my finances. And um, as I was starting to pay off debt, I started to document that journey via social media and Financially Intentional was born. Well, so uh, what kind of debt are we looking at here? (laughs) So I am from um, the San Francisco Bay Area. So probably the numbers that I'm going to share with you are pretty shocking, um, but it's pretty normal (laughs) for where I'm at. So I had almost $200,000 in um, student loan debt and with interest after paying it off, it it was actually over $200,000 that I paid off in student loan debt. Most of the debt was um, a house that I had in the Bay Area. So, um, and then I had little smaller debt. I had, um, you know, loans taken out for Uh, the purchase of my home against my retirement accounts and to total all those things up, it was nearly a million dollars in debt that I paid off in just under three years. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's pretty amazing. So, (laughs) and and how did you even like, I mean, I I think I would just get overwhelmed by that number and just kind of throw up my hands and be like, uh, yeah, okay, there's nothing I can do about this. Right. Um, So how did you even start to tackle something like this? Well, I think what's important is that you know that I really didn't even look at my debt like that. Um, I think like a lot of us just get in debt, like just, it's just lifestyle inflation. So we buy one thing here, one thing there. And then we kind of just know that we're not in a good financial position, but we're not understanding why. And so the first thing that I needed to do was kind of recognize where all this debt was coming from and listing it all out. And at while it seemed, um, kind of overwhelming at first. I knew that just like you eat an elephant, elephant, you just do it one bite at a time. And so I just started really just chomping away at it. And so um, I used um, the methodologies that kind of um, Dave Ramsey talks about, which is uh, a debt snowball and zero-based budgeting. And I listed out everybody I owed, listed those debts from smallest balance to largest balance and every single extra dollar 
I had or every dollar that was not going to a bill or something else in my budget, it was going towards this debt. And so once I um, started paying off debt and I saw those balances drops dropping and those loans fall off, it um, created like this momentum that caused me to knock on my debt. And believe me, I never could have imagined that I would have done it so quickly. But when you're like head down and in the weeds of doing it, you just do it. And then you look up and like, oh, it's done. <laughs> so if I would have been like, had the hundred feet view or the thousand feet view, I probably, probably wouldn't have thought it was possible. But because I just looked at it as one debt at a time, I just knocked it out. Yeah, I think that's a, a really great way to look at it. So, but with this debt snowball, um, mm -hmm. it's interesting that you do the smallest balance to the largest balance as opposed to like maybe highest interest rate. Was there a mm -hmm. thought process behind that? So most of us didn't math our way into debt. And so I think it's unrealistic to think that you can math your way out of it. So we don't get into debt and money and in money in general is super emotional. So uh, we have to attack it the same way. <laughs> and so the debt snowball gives you um, small wins that keep you focused on paying off debt. Because if you get those wins, it gives you that rush that oh yeah i can do this and that's what keeps you motivated as to where sometimes when you're paying these higher interest debts you you might be throwing money at it and you never see the balances come down and so a lot of people fall off and they lack the motivation to continue and so it's totally a psychological methodology to do it and yes it does make more um, mathematical sense to pay the highest interest rate debt but the success rates are much lower yeah, that, that's, it's funny that you say that because I did do, I got myself into a lot of debt when I decided to um, do a house, a complete house renovation. I mean, literally down to the studs and wow. you know, I had like eight or nine credit cards maxed out and it was ridiculous. So um, yeah, paying off the ones that were, you know, the lower um, amounts was just financial it was psychologically rewarding <laughs> yes yes results, you know and yes. then I could say only I have five credit cards that are maxed out uh you know and <laughs> uh, but yeah I was really thankful I'm like I don't know what I was thinking with that but um so you know but you know talking about the house I think you know a lot of us too don't really think of the house as a debt and I, mm -hmm. I don't know if that sounds silly but mm -hmm. um, you know to me it's just like a necessary expense or something but what would you say about um, home debt that we have because it's it's pretty rampant <laughs> yeah so <laughs> that's the issue is that a lot of people just think that your house is invest an investment like your primary home is kind of sold as part of the American dream that your primary home has to be an investment and so oftentimes we get into these houses that are probably a little bit more than we can afford or what we need because it's what we think that uh, is owed to us or that is our you know right and um I and I I was there I was just like everyone else and because you're told like when you talk to um mortgage brokers and you know the people who finance your loans that this is the number that you can afford 
afford and they base it off of like your gross income and all this kind of stuff. But usually <laughs> it far exceeds how much you can actually like afford without being house poor. So a mortgage should, or your house payment should never be more than a third of your take-home pay. And a lot of us are far above that because like I said, lifestyle inflation, and that's super duper normal. And so people don't think about their house as debt because like you said, it's just like what it is, right? It's kind of like student loans. A lot of people just think like it is what it is. Like everybody, everybody has student loans, you know, people that die with student loans. And so when you step back and really think about your home as an investment and knowing that getting your housing cost is probably the most important factor for you creating financial freedom in your, getting your financial, your housing costs down minimally um, is the greatest factor in you accelerating to financial freedom. I think that you will start to look at it as an investment um, or you would want to look at it as an investment. So, you know, it just, just perspective change. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So you went from, uh, being in debt to debt free. So are you are you able to maintain that now? Do you have strict budgets or how do you <laughs> So do I'm not I'm not hundred percent debt free, but I am financially intentional, hence the name. Um and so like I said, I, I keep my debt to the very minimum and the debt that I have is um uh you know well thought out. It's intentional, right? It's because the it's super low interest rates and I have my money invested as opposed to focusing on paying off debt. So it's growing at a higher interest rate. Um, But what I still do budgeting, I still make sure that I'm meeting my savings rate, meaning that most of my, um, the majority of my take-home pay is going towards wealth building. So greater than 50% of my take-home pay is going into um, savings and investing for the future. And, um, you know, I think the most important thing is to know what your savings rate is, meaning the percentage of your income, your take-home pay that is going towards, um, you know, building wealth or reducing debt. Um, That's a super important factor. And anyone who can get that 50% or above, no matter where they're at in life, can um, be financially independent in 10 years or less. Well, so 50% of your take-home pay uh, Mm -hmm. goes to uh, building wealth. Yep. Well, that's amazing. (laughs) I I remember when I was younger, my dad told me that I should save like 10% of my pay or that should go into savings. And even that was like too much. I'm like, no, not going to (laughs) happen. Um, so you have to, you do have to be incredibly intentional to be able yes. to do that. Yes. Um, and you would, would you suggest paying off debt before trying to build wealth? No, I think it can be done simultaneously. Um, and I actually recommend doing it simultaneously because I think that you can lose a lot of time um, just paying off debt and not build, focusing on wealth building. And actually it was one of my greatest mistakes when 
I was paying off debt because I was following, you know, Dave Ramsey's methodology and he strictly like pay off all your debt before you think about investing. Well, I live in California and I have a super high tax rate. And so while I was aggressively slaying my debt, <laughs> Uncle Sam was looking really nicely at my bank account and I got hit with the $30,000 tax bill because I did not invest. And so I don't recommend it. I recommend you at least be investing up to your company match while paying off debt okay so in if you have like a 401 if you have a 401k yeah or you know be funding whatever um reti personal retirement account that you have and, and if you have a, a business oh my god you have so much room to <laughs> to uh invest into your accounts so in your SEP IRAs and your um solo 401ks there's so much money to maximize so it's all about maximizing because at the end of the day I feel like either I'm gonna pay myself or Uncle Sam and 100 percent of the time I'm gonna choose myself <laughs> um yeah that, that's awesome so now <laughs> You're a nurse, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm a, yes. Tell me a little bit about your, your nursing career and, uh, you know, where that kind of led you. So I took a non-traditional path to get into nursing. Um, I started out um, in healthcare administration. So I thought I was going to be a doctor, <laughs> like a lot of us do. And so um, when I went to college, I was like, oh, you know, this is not what I thought doctors do like this is not what I signed up for like I don't want to do this and so um, I ended up being in healthcare administration worked um, for a large healthcare organization for five years and realized that I don't like uh, management and I don't like bureaucracy and I was <laughs> like, but I worked with a ton of nurses and I was just like oh my god like I love what they do like they're so their jobs are so flexible they can cross train in all these different areas they can work around the world and I was just like that's what I want to do so I actually went from having a master's degree in healthcare administration to taking a year off and just focusing on prereqs and getting into an accelerated nursing program and became um, a nurse I always worked in um the perinatal area so I'm a labor and delivery nurse and then um then I went on to get my family nurse practitioner degree and are you still working as a uh, nurse practitioner now? I have never worked as a nurse practitioner. I um, got my degree and decided that that's not what I wanted to do because clinic work to me is super boring. So I work on the floor in labor and delivery. <laughs> oh, good for you. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, and so when you work with um, clients, are they nurses or are they all different types of people? So right now I work um, with all different kinds of people, but I am pivoting to working on um, nurses because I feel like if we took the stress out of money for nurses and made money super easy for nurses, we can focus on what we do best and that's serving our patients. And that's, I feel like a, a happy nurse, <laughs> a satisfying nurse <laughs> is a, a, a much better nurse in all capacities, whatever kind of nursing you do. And so that's my goal is to um, really help nurses build wealth for themselves so they can focus on serving. Yeah, I like that. And, and you know, I kind of, I really fell into this, um, I guess, just scenario where I was working as a nurse and, you know, making decent income, like I, nurses make a, a nice income. It, you know, mm -hmm. it's not like a, a million dollars for sure, but it's good pay. But um, I always 
felt the need to have like two or three extra jobs and mm -hmm. it was always for something right but you work those extra jobs so much that you just start spending up to the point where you know that's your normal income and then I'm working like three jobs and the money is never enough mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of yep. the cycle you go through Right. That's that lifestyle inflation because you know that you can make that money. You're always just like, oh, but if I work this extra shift, then I can afford to do X, Y, and Z. And so we keep on doing that. But when it gets to the point where we don't want to work all those shifts, our lifestyle has is so expensive that we have to, and it causes a lot of resentment as to where if we step back and say, this is what I need to do to be able to cover my expenses um, for the long run, if I didn't want to be a nurse, then we could just focus on being a nurse. So my platform, Nurses on Fire podcast, highlights stories of nurses who have become financially independent in their own right. And so money isn't an issue. And when money isn't an issue, guess what? You make more of it, but that money is working for you. And so that's what I hope for all nurses. Yeah. That, no, I love that. <laughs> it's so um, yes. yeah, and especially because like, like you said, with the, with the nurses, you know, I always, and people would always say to you like, oh, nurses, I only have to work three days a week. And you're just like, I don't know. I need to work three days a week. Like, right. Um, right. Yeah. Plus the, those 12 hour shifts. So to mm -hmm. think that you could live on a nursing salary and have it work for you is really appealing. Right. Now, do you have kind of a, a philosophy of, um, I don't know, just uh, not ever spending your money or, or how do you approach that? Oh, no, I love spending my money. <laughs> <laughs> I love spending money. I love really nice things. I'm not a frugal person. Um, so if you, uh, so the, the community that I'm a part of is called a FIRE community, hence the term nurses on FIRE. So FIRE stands for financially independent retire early. And um, this community gets a bad rap for being super cheap or frugal. Um, and I just think that that's not necessary to build wealth. I think you, as long as you're focusing on things that bring you joy, focusing your, on spending money on things that bring you joy, and then not spending money on things that really don't bring any value in your life, you can live the life that you desire. Life is too short to not have the things that you want. Like I drive a $100,000 car, you know, that's, that's important to me, but you won't see me with the Gucci purse, you know? So it's just, <laughs> you know, you kind of just weigh, you kind of just weigh what's important to you and focus on those things. Make sure you, that you have budgeted for it and you'll realize that you have a lot more money to spend on things that you actually need and that are serving you. And then you can let your money work for you, but you just have to be intentional about it. Yeah. And I think that's a, the point that we miss a lot because, you know, I have been in that hamster wheel of like, I need more money. I need more money. And it's just kind of like, well, what do I need this more money for? Cause when I really <laughs> think about what is it that I want to do, I want to just have time to hang out and maybe have nothing to do and, yes. and you know, you know, go yes. on a nice vacation, but I don't need four jobs to do nothing. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so have you ever heard of, of the concept of like a money story? Um, and mm -hmm. is that something you talk about? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, we all have our own money stories, but um, yeah, we, I mean, all I do is share money stories because I think that that's what um, 
people relate to, people relate to stories, <laughs> not figures. So yeah. Yeah. And I've had a lot of nurses come to me that were financially strapped and in debt and stuff, and they want to start a business thinking that's going to, you know, solve their problems. And I always oh. turn those nurses away because I'm like, yes. yeah, <laughs> I'm like, first of all, you need to be in a business is a wealth building activity. Uh, yes. So to speak. And it's something that you do have to put time and money into. And I always take them back to the money story and say, if you're in personal debt and it's strapping you and it's causing you all this heartache, you're just going to bring all of that into a business. And then you're going to have a business that's, you know, financially strapping you and causing you all kinds of anxiety and, and distress. Um, exactly. So <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of people want to solve the problem by doing and not by being. And I think if we shift our focus onto who we want to be and act and do the things of that person that we want to be, if we want to be a million dollar nursepreneur, we need to take the actions that a million dollar nursepreneur would do. And then we become that, not wait till we make a million dollars and think that things are going to fall into place. So yeah, I get yeah. it. <laughs> That's kind of the other thing that I've learned is that, uh, you know, people always say, well, you know, I wish I had that problem. I had so much money. I had all these problems, you know, but it's like, Not. it's just the more money you make, the more, um, you know, if you don't have control over those finances, it's just the more expenses you have. And you're always kind of in this rut. It's just the stakes are higher. The more money you're making, if you lose everything, right. You just have right. more to lose. Yeah, I remember somebody early on when I was sharing on my platform told me that I had rich people problems. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it doesn't make any life any less stressful, you know? Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so tell us about like the services that you offer and what you do for people, how you help them. So I have, uh, I do um like just group coaching. I have my, my platform shares, like I said, um, Nurses on Fire podcast shares the stories of nurses that are doing big things with money. So nurses that have retired in their 30s and 40s, nurses that run million dollar businesses. And um, I give you actionable tips on how you can do that. But in my group coaching program, I walk you through the path to financial independence from A to Z. It's a step-by-step -step program where we hold, I hold your hand and go through how you can be financially independent in 10 years or less by, you know, I cover things like budgeting, finance, I mean, budgeting, <laughs> investing, legacy building, all those kind of things. And um, it's done um, via... Um, coaching calls and um, trainings and I bring in experts in out there like that can teach you about uh, rapid student loan payments and um, credit and all those kind of things so it's an ongoing program where you know because you just don't solve your money problems overnight um, it's so it's a group coach group coaching where you know you have accountability from the group but you're also continuously learning and growing as you go. So that's what I do. Okay. And again, like it, it's not necessarily all just a group of nurses. It's no. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And um, yeah. So what is kind of your, your vision for the future? Where is this business going for you? I see myself as the Susie Orman 
of nurses. And so I want to be the face of personal finance for nurses globally, because like I said, I feel like if nurses are empowered with their money and are in full control, they can focus on really serving. And so I want to take this brand nationally and make it commonplace that nurses are just good with money. I love it. <laughs> um, yes. All right, Nasima, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and how they can join this program? <laughs> Definitely. So I am at financiallyintentional.com or nursesonfirepodcast.com. You can find me on financially, uh, I mean, on Instagram. Um, I have a thriving Facebook group. And I also just recently had uh, started a TikTok account, which I'm kind of obsessed with, which is kind of weird because, you know, it's supposed to be for the kids. But <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I have like one video on TikTok and I was begging my niece to follow me so I'd have a <laughs> follower. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Missima, thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. <laughs>